You ever meet someone who seems kind of off? Whether it's a creepy neighbor or random phone number that keeps calling you, Truthfinder has you covered. You can search for people by name, address, phone number, email, and more. Truthfinder can be especially helpful for running confidential background checks on anyone you're planning to meet from online dating apps. Go to truthfinder.com slash podcasts for a special offer. That's truthfinder.com slash podcasts to access your special offer today. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man who's got fuel to burn and roads to drive. Here is the captain. Always driving on those roads. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Today we are truly connoisseurs of fine, fine hop art. That's right, because we are finishing off our stash of hop art from Coast Brewing Company. This IPA is a little darker than most traditional IPAs because of the caramel malts, which gives it a little sweetness to balance out the wonderful hop presence. Garage grade four and a half bottle caps out of five. And here's some cheers to our friends that helped us fill up the fridge for this week's shows. First up, cheers to Sue and all of it, Michigan. And a big we like your jib to John L. in Houston, Texas. Next, here's a cheers to Dennis or Denny in Thunder Bay, Ontario, Canada. And a big shout out to Rachel in Holland, New York. Next, Captain, we have a shout out to Barb in Orem, Utah. And last but certainly not least, here's a big cheers and, of course, a big Ron Swanson please and thank you that goes out to Calvin and I think we're going to say Faftown, North Carolina. Everyone that we just mentioned, whether you live in Faftown or some other made-up place, went to truecrimegarage.com and clicked on the donate button and helped us out with this week's beer fund, and that's why we're giving you those shout-outs. Faftown, it's right by Parts Unknown. Make sure you pay your fees. And Stanley, stop peeing in the shower for everything true crime check out truecrimegarage.com and we have some new merchandise some new t-shirts so make sure you check those out at truecrimegarage.com we ship the shirts ourselves people and that's enough of the business all right everybody gather around grab a chair grab a beer let's talk some true crime
By this point, Captain, we have reached early September of 2021 in our timeline, and Alec Murdoch's world is crumbling. His wife and son are dead, their murders unsolved, and he's about to be sued in a civil wrongful death action that would give rise to a criminal investigation. Sled was looking into his family in connection with the Stephen Smith case, and he's still facing the wrongful death lawsuit from the boating incident causing the death of Mallory Beach. Randolph III, his father, was dropped as a defendant in that case when he died, and Alec and Buster were refusing to settle. Now, could it get worse for Alec Murdoch? Oh, yes, I think that it can. And this is because on Saturday, September 4th, at 1.34 p.m., Alec Murdoch called 911. Okay, what end of Sarcahatchee Road? Because I don't know where you're talking about. Um, at the Hampton County side. Okay, what's going on? I stopped, I got a flat tire. Mm-hmm. And I stopped, and somebody stopped to help me. And when I turned my back, they tried to shoot me. Oh, okay. Were you shot? Yes. But okay. I mean, I'm okay. You shot where? Where were you shot at? Huh? Did they actually shoot you or they tried to shoot you? They shot me, but... Uh, okay, wait, you need EMS? Uh, well, I mean, yes, I, I can't drive. Okay. I'm and I'm bleeding a lot. Where, where part of your body? Uh, I'm not sure, somewhere on my head. Your head? Somebody just stopped for me, ma'am. Um, for 911. Okay, still? Hey. Okay, let me speak to him, see if he can tell me exactly where you are. That church? Okay. Red Roof. Yeah, hurry, please. Okay, and what's your name? I'm still here. I'm still on the line with you. What's your name? Alex Murdoch. Alex Murdoch? Yes, ma'am. And you see you were driving, you got a flat tire, and somebody stopped to help you, and they shot you? Well, they pulled over, yes, ma'am, like they were going to help me. Okay, stay on the line with me. We're going to get some. I'm bleeding pretty bad. Okay. Stay on? St. John's Missionary Church. St. John's Missionary Church? Yes, ma'am. Okay. And can you give me a description of the person that shot you or shot at you? Yes, ma'am. I mean, it was a, a, a white fella. Uh, I'd say a white male, a fair amount younger than me, uh, really, really short hair. Um, you have an ambulance coming, ma'am? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Stay on the line. I got them on the way. You think one of y'all can drive me to the hospital? Uh, yes, sir. You want to get the trunk, though, because I got a baby and he's in the back. One of y'all can get in this car and drive me? Uh, yes, sir. I can. 
They're going to drive me to the hospital. Ma'am? Ma'am? I'm still here, sir. They, they're on the way. Don't hang, don't hang up. I think my favorite part of that call is when, you know, he's bleeding from the head and he's going, ma'am, are you, are you still there? Well, and the audio is not great, but part of that is because Alec Murdoch is trying to interact with the 911 operator who he called, but also interact with a good Samaritan that seemed to have stopped to come to his aid. So you hear at times he's talking with the driver of whatever vehicle that is, and then getting back on the phone with the 911 personnel. Well, pretty trusting of a good Samaritan after a supposed good Samaritan just shot him in the head. Yeah, so basically what he's saying here is that he gets a flat tire and that he stops to change the tire. When someone drives by in a truck and then asks Alec if he's having car trouble, and Alex says before he could respond, he hears a gunshot and that the person must have shot him. So he's now calling this in, and now we have another person who, who seems to have stopped. At some point, you know, he's telling the 911 operator that they've agreed to drive him to the hospital. But from my understanding, Captain, eventually Alec Murdoch is taken via air ambulance to the hospital. They found him or picked him up in a nearby field and rushed him to the hospital. I wonder if there was a second 911 call made. Yeah, he eventually calls back. And by the time they pick him up, he's about seven miles from where he says the shooting took place. And this is also when the, when the call first comes in, from my understanding, Captain, he's about seven miles from his family's hunting lodge the location, the property where Maggie and Paul were killed. I just want to remind the audience, and I want to remind myself, this Murdoch saga is was not written by the writers of Yellowstone. This is not the Yellowstone podcast. This is True Crime Garage, and this shit is real. It seems to me like the sheriff's deputies and sled agents who reported to the scene and processed it they were on scene, obviously, after the emergency personnel arrived, which it looked like it, it took a good amount of time before emergency personnel to arrive. It seems like there was some kind of confusion as to his exact location. And then if he moved afterward, that would explain the delay. But afterwards, shortly afterwards, because this is phoned in as a shooting, we have the sheriff's department as well as sled agents there on the scene processing the scene as well as Alec Murdoch's black Mercedes-Benz GL450 that he was driving that day looking for clues and evidence. So this looks to be this looks to be a situation that one might have possibly even expected, right? If you were of the belief that Maggie and Paul were dead. I mean, they, we know that they're dead. They're the victims of a shooting, a double homicide. And now Alec appears to have been targeted as well. So this is when you really start to wonder, was someone hunting down the Murdochs and eliminating them one by one? Well, obviously in the double murder case, 
you can look at it in a sense and go, well, somebody's daughter died in this accidental death, but the person that caused the accident seemed to have no remorse whatsoever. So you think initially the double homicide could be a revenge killing for that, but then we learn from the double homicide that there was these lawsuits and this insurance policy that should have been paid out to the sons of the housekeeper and wasn't. So now this killing, you could say, is this still revenge that maybe somebody didn't get the job done, didn't kill all the family members to get revenge because of the boating accident? That could be an angle that you're looking at. But the other angle is what about these lawsuits and this insurance that was never paid? Nobody even told the family about Mm -hmm. the lawsuits. Is this revenge for that? Well, and by this point, too, we have the Stephen Smith case where the Murdoch name has been publicly stated by SLED. Again, yes, at could this be, point. could be revenge for that as well. I mean, there's a, there's a long list of people that hate these people. and Or would have reason to. Well, yes, and, and think about it. That's just three of the things we know of. It's not like these are just the only three shady things that have happened <laughs> at the hands of the Murdochs. Right. It it would be very difficult to believe that Alec Murdoch was a perfect saint up until this first incident. Now, according to the state law enforcement authorities, no weapon was found at the scene, and there was a slice in one of Mr. Murdoch's tires. Now, at first you say, well, this makes sense. Alec is now the target, or he was the target all along, and someone got to him. But there's some questions about Alex's story. First, Alex Mercedes apparently has those run-flat tires where you can drive for miles and miles and miles when you have a when the rest of us would have a flat tire. And so basically the thought there is with that technology, he would not have had to change the tire right then and there. And then there's been other people in the community that said, look. The Murdochs, these people don't change their own tires. And according to Crime Online, quote, a knife reportedly used to slash the Murdochs' tires was found near the scene. Multiple sources claim the knife was traced back to Murdoch. On September 6th, two days after the shooting, with Alex still recovering, remember he's in the hospital at this point, recovering from that gunshot, the law firm that his ancestors founded made a statement that Alec had resigned on September 3rd. So this is the day before the shooting after the firm discovered that he was stealing from the firm with (laughs) estimates of up to $10 million in missing money. This according to the wall street journal. Yeah, because this dumbass was just not look, he wasn't successful. He wasn't successful in his life. So he had to keep on coming up with con ways to pay for this lifestyle. Again, if you could maybe say he was rich, but to me it's it wasn't he wasn't wealthy, if that makes any sense. He had all these properties, but they all have payments and again, ten million dollars over time. Ten million dollars, you know how much crap you can buy to keep up with the Joneses? Well again that's an estimate. They've brought in some uh, forensic accountants to try to determine exactly how much money is missing it's probably 15 million 20 million that's what's interesting here though it's not to determine 
if money is missing. It's how much money is missing. Now, Alec is forced to resign. That's what we're going to call that. That's what they called it from the firm after they confront him about him pilfering significant funds from the firm that his grandfather founded. His wife and son are dead at this time. He's facing financial ruin. It was beginning to look like this drive-by shooting. Well, maybe there's a chance this is some kind of suicide attempt. By this point, Alec is not well. On the 6th, after being released from the hospital, he was only in the hospital for two days, Alec checked himself into a rehab facility. His attorneys released a statement that same day addressed to Alec's family, friends, and colleagues that said, quote, the murders of my wife and son have caused an incredibly difficult time in my life. I have made a lot of decisions that I truly regret. I'm resigning from my law firm and entering rehab after a long battle that has been exacerbated by these murders. I am immensely sorry to everyone I've hurt, including my family, friends, and colleagues. I ask for prayers as I rehabilitate myself and my relationships. Now, I had a source, I guess, I guess the whole drug aspect and going into rehab, I believe it was, uh, I think it was methamphetamines. It's reported that he has an opioid or had an opioid addiction. I have a local source that has told me that was all made up. Now, I, I don't have any proof of it, but I guess the, the thought process there was if I blame it on a drug addiction because of the, well, these double murders were so bad on me that I started using opioids, that that makes it look better than just I'm a complete scumbag and willing to do anything and willing to throw anybody under the bus to keep conning myself through this life. Well, I think the general claim here is that he had already had this opioid addiction, but because of the murders, you know, an addiction that was already spiraling out of control got significantly worse very quickly. On September 8th, the South Carolina Supreme Court suspended Alec Murdoch's license to practice law effective immediately. Two days later, on the 10th, with rumors swirling that Alec Murdoch tried and failed to kill himself, Alec's Lawyers made a second statement that said Alec had an entry and exit wound and suffered a skull fracture in the shooting, which was not self-inflicted. Quote, Alec pulled over after seeing a low tire indicator light, the statement read. And it goes on to say a male driver in a blue pickup asked him if he had car troubles. As soon as Alec replied, he was shot. Well, it gets worse. On September 13th, SLED announced that it was opening an investigation into claims Alec had misappropriated funds from PMPED as alleged by the law firm. Again, this all starts off with a boating accident, then a double homicide, and then a look back into a, a hit and run, and also a look back into an accidental death at the Murdoch's house. So at this point, Sled is investigating all things Murdoch. Well, it must have been exhausting for Alec to try to maintain his facade and keep up with all of these lies. Because from rehab, Alec calls up Sled and he admits that the shooting incident on the 4th was all engineered by him. 
And this is because there was an insurance policy on his life that would pay $10 million to his family if Alec were killed. And of course, by this point, sadly, his family is just the older son, Buster. This was quickly followed by an arrest made by SLED. SLED arrested a Curtis Edward Smith, a.k.a. Eddie, age 61, and charged him with assisted suicide, assault and battery of a high aggravated nature, pointing and presenting a firearm, insurance fraud, and conspiracy to commit insurance fraud. Smith has also been charged with distribution of methamphetamine and possession of marijuana. These latter charges were because when they arrested Smith, they found pot and meth during a search of his home. Well, then I guess the big question now is who is Curtis Smith? Yes, a.k.a. Eddie. So the charging documents state as followed that Mr. Murdoch provided Curtis Edward Smith with a firearm and directed Mr. Smith to shoot him in the head for the purpose of causing Mr. Murdoch's death and allowing for the payment of a death benefit on September 4th, 2021. Mr. Smith followed Mr. Murdoch to Old Salkahatchee Road and shot Mr. Murdoch as he stood in the roadway. After shooting Mr. Murdoch in the head, Mr. Smith drove to an unknown location where he disposed of the firearm. On September 13th, 2021, Mr. Murdoch provided a statement to SLED admitting to the scheme of having Mr. Smith murder him for the purpose of his son collecting a life insurance policy valued at approximately $10 million. On September 14th, 2021, Mr. Smith admitted to being present during the shooting of Mr. Murdoch and to disposing of the firearm afterwards. Now, this Mr. Smith is a former client of Alec Murdoch's. He is also Alec's distant cousin, and I guess we'll call him Cousin Eddie, as they are now calling him online. And here's a whole nother twist to this thing. Shitter's full, Clark. According to Alex's lawyers, Cousin Eddie is also Alex's dealer. Maybe the drug addiction was not just made up. Maybe there is some truth to it. Of course, Eddie denies being Alex's dealer. Now, a statement released by Alex's attorneys will try to... This is you know typical Alec Murdoch fashion. We're going to try to lay blame on someone else for for his ill-conceived actions. Their statement says that on September 4th, it became clear that Alec believed that ending his life was his only option. Today, he knows that's not true. For the last 20 years, there have been many people feeding his addiction to opioids. During that time, these individuals took advantage of his addiction and his ability to pay substantial funds for illegal drugs. One of those individuals took advantage of his mental illness and agreed to take Alec's life by shooting him in the head. Fortunately, Alec was not killed by the gunshot wound. Alec is fully cooperating with SLED in the investigation into his shooting, opioid use, and the search to find the person or people responsible for the murder of his wife and son. Alec is not without fault, but he is just one of many whose life has been devastated by opioid addiction. So Alec turned himself in, Captain, to the authorities, and he was charged with insurance fraud, conspiracy to commit insurance fraud, and filing a false police report. He was then released on $20,000 personal recognizance bond. He quietly returned to the rehab center in a location that his lawyers refused to disclose. 
But of course, his lawyers tried to paint Alex's confession in a positive light, telling the Today Show that he didn't want law enforcement spending more time on this fake crime instead of focusing on solving the murders of Maggie and Paul. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with factors, no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer. Thanks to the menu of chef crafted meals with options like calorie smart protein plus and keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. 
with 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, cheers to everyone still with us, part four. And surprise, surprise, there's going to be another four parts. <laughs> <laughs> this case never stops. We really, truly are yet to see when this case will stop or when any of these cases will have a conclusion to them. Right. So it's kind of a stay tuned situation here. But at his bond hearing, Cousin Eddie Smith, he basically says is that the charges are all crap. And he's going to make his way through the media and the media rounds, and he's going to tell his side of the story or another twist to the whole Murdoch story. On October 15th, Smith claimed that Alec did not get shot. Did not get shot was his claim. He said there was no conspiracy between the two of them. Instead, he said he was an unknowing participant that Alec called him on September 4th and asked him to come do some work for him, which he had done work for Alec Murdoch in the past, handyman type stuff. And he says that he met Alec on the road to where Alec orders him to shoot him. And Smith says he refused. Now he told the New York Post Quote, I run over and we wrestled a minute together, me trying to get the gun away from him. Then the gun kind of went off above his head and I got scared to death and I ran to my truck and took off. End quote. He described the incident as the craziest situation I've ever been in and said that he believed he was set up to be the fall guy. Smith told police he disposed of the gun. He said he felt betrayed by Alex because Alec was blaming him for taking advantage of Alec's illness, and also Alec ratted him out for the shooting when Alec was the one who proposed the whole thing to begin with. It's very unclear as to exactly what went down there that day in the middle of the road. We have Cousin Eddie saying one story, and we have Alec Murdoch saying another. It's also unclear what kind of agreement or arrangement was made between the two. Was it something that they had decided on in advance? Or as Cousin Eddie says, he shows up on scene and he's being told then and there that he's involved in something. Right. On the Today Show, Cousin Eddie said, quote, I didn't shoot him. I'm innocent. If I had shot him, he'd be dead. 
He's alive. Okay. Tell me if I'm following this correctly. He's basically saying, yes, I knew about this plot. I knew about this scam, but I didn't go through with it. But Alec did, and he shot himself. He's saying that he knew about this plot when he showed up to the plot already in action. Right. This wasn't something that, according to Cousin Eddie, that they agreed on well in advance. This is something he's showing up on the scene, and Alec's like, here, you're going to shoot me. And then they end up wrestling for the gun. Gun goes off. Cousin Eddie gets scared and flees the scene. Now, I, I guess maybe he's scared and confused, and then he disposes of the gun. It, it, it's all a little weird that he goes forward with disposing of the gun and then just kind of sits there quietly sitting on his hands for days until Alec Murdoch starts telling a different story because leading up to this until Alec calls up sled and admits that, Hey, this was a plot that I put together. And here's my version of the events. Alec Murdoch and his lawyers up to that point were sticking to their guns of, I was shot by somebody that that showed up to, to kill me on the side of the road. They stuck with that for a few days. Well, that's why my policy is just tell the truth. You don't have to remember anything. Or just lie about everything, <laughs> <laughs> which seems to be what Alec Murdoch is doing. You know, there's there's so many questions here, Captain. It turns out that uh, the weapon used was a 38 caliber revolver. Now, who shot the gun is completely unclear. You know, did Alec shoot himself? Did they wrestle with the gun like Smith said? Why does Smith go out of his way to say that Alec was not shot when, I mean, he was, I mean, he was picked up and taken to the hospital where he stayed for two days. Right. If he wasn't shot there, you know, they would be releasing him immediately. And his attorneys are saying that he's got a gunshot wound. Did anybody ever test, you know, GSR is a, a difficult science thing. And I, I don't want to go too far into that because there is plenty of proof that even if you're just close to a gunshot, you can have some gunshot residue on your person. So I, I guess, you know, you can call that into question. Did anybody test Alex's hands? But, you know, I don't know that that's going to get, get us any further here. This case should be called the case of the WTFs. Right. Because it's just constantly, what the F? Well, th- some other weird questions here, too. A 911 caller who first called in the shooting. This, from my understanding, is before Alec Murdoch called 911. This person told the dispatcher that there was a man standing in the road with blood on him and was waving his hands in the air. And the caller says, hey, I didn't stop because it looked like a setup. So this is Alec Murdoch in the middle of the road, seemingly waving for someone to stop to help him. But we know he calls 911 later. And this passerby says this situation looked strange and like a setup. So I wasn't going to stop, but I'm a good person. So I'll at least phone it into 911. Right. It's just bizarre why Alec Murdoch would delay calling 911 if he was shot badly, like we're led to believe by the statements of his lawyers. I mean, I don't understand why he's trying to flag someone down. It's almost like he needs a witness, right? Like he needs someone there. And of course, at the end of the day, we know that he did set this up, even though there's a discrepancy in the stories between Cousin Eddie and Alec. Yes, Clark. But clearly, 
someone's buying this story, regardless of the different versions, because we know that both Alec Murdoch and Cousin Eddie were indicted by a grand jury. So they're both charged in this incident. The amount of greed in this story is almost unbelievable. Well, and it all seems to be coming from the same person. Yeah, the same source. Now, we're going to fast forward a little bit because I don't want to get into all of the legal mumbo jumbo about uh, the lawsuits and, and a lot of stuff that's taken place. The The key thing that we need to hone in on here, Captain, is that later Alec Murdoch is arrested again. Remember, he was released after this latest incident that we discussed in September. He was released on $20,000 bond. And he's arrested later. And what we're going to have here is we're finally going to see a situation where uh, the judge will recognize that Alec Murdoch is, it's too dangerous to have him outside of, of a prison or outside of a jail, I should say. He's going to have to face these charges. He's going to have to go to trial. But what they end up doing is ultimately they set his bond at $7 million and they deny him the opportunity to pay the 10%. So he has to pay all of the 7 million. Basically it's like, he's not getting out at all. You know, they set the amount so high that he cannot pay it. Right. This is good good for them. Well, and, and you know what? Good for all involved, because what I see here is an individual that when he's out, people are dying, people are getting shot at. And this is regardless of who is responsible for all of this mess or for each of these little, for each of the different parts of this story, right? If he's out, it seems to me that either somebody else is going to get killed or somebody's going to come and try to take Alec Murdoch's life. So this might be a good move for him as well to be locked up until he faces these charges. From my understanding, Captain, the charges that he's facing, forget about how much money he's supposed to pay back to all these people that he he bilked out of all this money over the years. Well, he's never going to pay anybody back. Well, I don't think he's ever going to get out of prison either if he is convicted on some of these charges or all of them. The main way he was making money in the first place was a lawyer, and he's not going to be able to do that. No, I mean, he's he's not able to practice law in the state of uh, South Carolina. So with all these events, who is responsible? I think we could, if we start with the way we laid it out, the boat accident, I think we both are in agreement. Paul is responsible, and obviously he showed zero remorse. From statements of individuals that were there on the boat, it appears that, yes, Paul was driving and he does not seem to be concerned with the tragedy of that incident. Right. And where do you stand on the double homicide? Well, so I I don't think that, that any of these are easily answered. And I think that there's there's a lot of suspicion that you can throw around. Everything that I have seen, though, Captain, is Mallory Beach's family. You know, that's where one's mind goes to immediately. They they lost their their daughter or their sister or, you know, their loved one. Yeah. And so, of course, your mind goes there. I've seen nothing but cooperation from Mallory Beach's family in in this whole situation. You know, they can't bring their daughter back, but they're also not violent people. These are reasonable, good people who were struck by tragedy. 
And it looks to me by the, the actions of Paul Murdoch. So I don't think that I see the revenge angle here when it comes to the double homicide. As far as the Satterfield case goes with Gloria Satterfield falling down the steps and and then unfortunately losing her life in the hospital two weeks later, I think really the only weird part of that case is how Alec Murdoch stole money. Basically spearheaded this whole idea of, well, we need to sue me. Somebody needs to pay for this situation. But I'm going to help you boys out. And then he uses it to, to make a bunch of money. I believe it was probably an accident, but the shameful part is that he saw an opportunity to try to take advantage of it. And how could he win from somebody else's loss? Well, and there's some information out there that suggests that Gloria Satterfield was awake at times while she was in the hospital. So there's a chance that if there was something really different that happened in that situation, that she would be able to communicate that to someone uh, before her, before sadly that she passed away. Now, in regard to the double homicide, there was some information that came out and this came out in early November from the Island packet. One of the local news sources out there that says a state grand jury is looking into a trail of money from Alec Murdoch alleged opioid drug habit to a low country gang based in the Waterloo area and believed to be called the Cowboys. According to sources familiar with the investigation, the money trail linking Murdoch is allegedly in checks. He wrote to a person who in turn would write checks to couriers to buy drugs. The sources said money paid to the couriers is believed to have been used to buy the drugs from Cowboys gang affiliates. The drugs that we're talking about, of course, were meth and opioids. Apparently Alec Murdoch wrote more than $200,000 worth of checks between early June and early September of 2021. Before then, the amounts had only been about ten dollars to $20,000 per month. The scripts were always written to a go-between who apparently took checks. Basically, Captain, there's an idea here that this is, in large part, the extent of his his drug problem and where he was getting some of his drugs. Now, this cousin Eddie being his dealer and these checks, it's all rather confusing, but it also kind of makes sense here too, because if Alec Murdoch was getting the amounts of money that we talked about that he was hiding, you know, he's dispersing this money to accounts that he's in control of. Well, we're talking about millions of dollars. Where did all that money go? So some of it obviously on drugs. Well, and it's, it's easy to see a situation here where these cowboys or some other type of gang may have come in and sent a message to Alec Murdoch or the double homicides were some kind of retaliation from this gang. And also don't forget that they had multiple properties. So, and it seems like on at least one property, they had people working. So you have those mortgages. Those aren't small payments. And then whoever's working at those properties as well. Well, Well, and there's also some misdealings and strange things about some of the 
properties that they owned anyway, that, that they owned as well. And I'm a little unclear as to what some of this means. There's bolstering theories that Alec was tied up with gangsters and linked to the drug trade in the area. And the connection there for Alec Murdoch is this Barrett T. Bulware, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. He's a commercial fisherman who operated out of Buford for over 40 years, according to his 2018 obituary, and a close friend and associate of Alec Murdoch's. According to Fitz News, Alec was Bulware's legal representation and business partner before Bulware died from cancer. The two apparently were close friends who socialized together with their wives and attended South Carolina basketball games together many times. Alec and Bulware jointly owned several real estate properties. Bulware used to own that Moselle property, the one that eventually Maggie and Paul are killed at. There's information out there, Captain, that says that in 2013, Alec paid Bulware's wife $5 for that property five dollars for that property well that's what we call a good deal that's a good deal seems awfully shady to me uh there was some kind of tax-free exchange transaction at the same time for another property that was valued at seven hundred and thirty thousand dollars now what does this all have to do with alec his friends business associates and whatnot this there's thought that that property has a landing strip and a large barn on this property. So the thought here being that Bulware was some type of big time drug smuggler at one point in his life. Right. And that Alec was kind of in cahoots with him. So when you hear things like that, you really start to wonder and struggle with how and who could be involved. I mean, how deep does this thing run and how far back was Alec Murdoch in these these shady deals with these these other shady figures? And was he the only one in the family that was involved or does this go back multiple generations? Well, and I don't think that there's any question about Alec Murdoch's location of where he was the night when his wife and son were killed. But what we do know is that there was, even though Alec Murdoch said that he was unaware of it, there was a life insurance policy. There was an estate to be paid out from Maggie Murdoch. And she had left everything that she owned to her husband. This was based off of a, a, a will that was put together, I believe in 2013. So she's leaving everything to her husband. So it's not that far-fetched to, to wrap your head around the idea that maybe Alec Murdoch wanted his wife killed so that he could benefit from it. What have we seen this guy do time and time again? He finds himself in these situations or sets up a situation where he stands to profit. And I don't know that I can tell you who killed the Murdochs. I don't know that I can tell you who killed Stephen Smith or even if Gloria, Gloria Satterfield was murdered or if it was an accident. But what I can tell you is everything that we've reviewed over the past four episodes and everything that we reviewed in our research leading up to these four episodes really kind of circles back to one thing. A lot of the Murdoch's problems are all in-house problems. 
problems either between them or ones that they created themselves. And when they found themselves in a hole, they couldn't stop digging. They just kept digging and digging and digging. And look at the mess that we are in now. Look at the lives, the 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 senseless murders and the loss of life and the tragedy here in this situation, all all circling around a guy that was handed every break in life. He was given every opportunity in life to go out and do it the right way. And he chose to do it the wrong way time and time and time again. Where is the line for Alec Murdoch? Where is the line for his associates? And where is the line for some of his family as well? Have you ever seen the movie The Town? Yes. And I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. It's just not a random captain thought. I kind of wonder if Alec got involved with people. We know he's involved with some people, but if he got involved with a type of person at some point because this arrogance that's coming from especially especially his son Paul, that's learned somewhere. I'm assuming he learned that from his father and maybe just the Murdoch family in general. And I just wonder if he got involved with somebody. And there's that scene in the town when Ben Affleck goes to the florist and says, I'm done. And he says, look, look, no, I control you. And basically, I'll either clip your nuts or I'll do it the chemical way. And what he means by that is that he will get you good and doped up and get you to become an addict. And I wonder if he just got wrapped up with the wrong people and the guy said, okay, I could beat this guy up. I could kill him. I could kill his whole family. That does nothing. I'm going to torture this guy by getting him so hooked on drugs that it ruins everything around him. And not just his nuclear family, but the whole Murdoch name for the rest of time. That name, because of how crazy and how many cases are involved in this, that name will be forever remembered because of these cases. The problem with this case, and and I mean, we don't have time to go through the whole list of them, but the problem in these cases is is pretty simple to me. One, when I have a situation and, and see a situation where Alec Murdoch is telling one story and then Cousin Eddie in regard to the fake suicide attempt on Alec Murdoch's life, when they are telling two completely different stories, it appears to me, you know, you could go and say, all right, well, one of them's telling the truth and one of them's lying. It's not that clear, man. It's just simply not that clear. It right. actually looks, even with the stories changing a couple of times, they're still not in line here. And we still have a situation where cousin Eddie disposed of the gun. And he says, Alec Murdoch was not shot. His lawyers say he definitely was shot. Why are those stories so incredibly different, even after the fact of Alec Murdoch letting Sled know, hey, I put together some kind of fake plot here to kill myself, and this was all to get some insurance money for my son Buster. When those stories remain that different still to this day, it tells me one thing. Both of them are lying. Why would both of them lie about that situation? Because both of them have something to hide. And this goes back to my belief that 
all of these problems, a lot of these problems, mainly the double homicide, are all in-house problems. Problems that were created by Alec Murdoch. And now we sit here and I, I got two guys that I already know are lying. Two that are telling separate stories. I believe both of them to be lying. And I want to know the motivation for both of them to be lying. And then the whole idea of could Alec Murdoch have arranged for his wife to have been killed? I believe it's certainly possible. Right. One thing that's really interesting is we got some really smart people, some really good agencies out there, law enforcement agencies that are going through his financials with a fine tooth comb. So you would hope that it would be easy to find. But what we've already pointed out, look at how much money is missing. Look at how much money is missing. And yeah, I get it. Maybe he had a drug problem. Maybe he had all kinds of problems. Still, if he... If you're going to hire someone to kill someone, you have to pay somebody some money. And we know that he was writing checks, or at least there's evidence to suggest that he was writing checks to get drugs. Well, if he's that dumb, I hope he left the paper trail right to the person that he hired or persons that he hired to show up at his property that night when Maggie was killed. As fascinating as all these twists and turns and all these possibilities in this case, I just keep going back to Stephen and Mallory, mm-hmm. and just think it's so sense, so senseless, and just the greed, the greed of it all. Why can't people strive to be better people, and why can't people strive to have better character and a a wealth of character instead of a wealth of materialistic things? Well, they do. People do strive to be better people. People do strive to work hard and better themselves. And those people, unfortunately, some of them are not with us anymore. Gloria Satterfield worked to better herself, to better her family. She was a good person working hard. Mallory Beach had her whole life ahead of her. She, from a great family, good people working hard to do the right thing. And Stephen Smith, He wanted to be a doctor to help others, to help other people. There are plenty of good people in this story. Unfortunately, because of some of the Murdochs, they're no longer with us. This story also reminds me that eventually bad people will be taken down and they have to live in the bed of mess that they made. Like always, we want to hear from you. If you have thoughts and opinions on this case, go to truecrimegarage.com and add your comments to the blog. Colonel, do you have any recommended reading for this week? We're going to hit you with a little recommended listening this week. Check out the American Justice Podcast. You may have already. They did great work on the Brandon Woodruff case, and now they're doing gangbusters work on the Vincent Cosi case. Check out the American Justice Podcast. You can find that recommendation and many other good ones as well on our recommended page at truecrimegarage.com. And until next week, be good, be kind, and don't litter.
You ever meet someone who seems kind of off? Whether it's a creepy neighbor or random phone number that keeps calling you, Truthfinder has you covered. You can search for people by name, address, phone number, email, and more. Truthfinder can be especially helpful for running confidential background checks on anyone you're planning to meet from online dating apps. Go to truthfinder.com slash podcasts for a special offer. That's truthfinder.com slash podcasts to access your special offer today.